Welcome to Horse Happenings with myself, Lindsay Partridge. In this episode, we're going to talk about Mustang mishaps or mistakes, if you will, of common things that people do when they think they're training their horse in a really great way, but sometimes ends up backfiring a little bit. And this is going to be based on my recent experience with the Mustang makeover. We just wrapped up being at the Maryland Tip Challenge, where little Dulcie, who I had for five weeks, ended up taking home the champion title as well as winning her pattern and handling class, which I'm super proud of her. I only ended up having her for half the time compared to everybody else because one was our paperwork issue of getting horses back into Canada is always a little bit more challenging. And then the other part was Dulcie was actually chosen by somebody else and not by me. And I brought her home to Canada along with the other horses that I was picking up And the person that had chosen Dulcie said that they no longer wanted her. They they found out they were pregnant and they didn't want to have her anymore. So although I understood the circumstance, it didn't change the fact that we'd already done the paperwork on her. So I still brought her back to my farm and thought, I'll try to find somebody else to take her. Nobody else ended up wanting her. I reached out to some other Mustang trainers, see if they wanted to do the competition, but nobody did. So after she kind of sat around at our farm for a couple weeks, doing a whole lot of nothing, waiting for me to see if I could find a home for her. Then I decided, you know what, I may as well start doing some handling on her and we'll see what she's like. And she ended up being uh, really kind of clicking with me and we fit really well together. So I decided that I would train her for the Maryland challenge. And when I made that decision, I only had two weeks to get her handled so that way she would trailer load with the other horses and be able to come with us on our three-week USA tour where we went to Vermont and we stopped at a couple different places in Pennsylvania before finally ending up at the Maryland Mustang Tip Challenge as our final destination on our trip. So it was a bit of a, a whirlwind and she is now my second Mustang or no third Mustang to win the champion title overall at a Mustang tip challenge. I had Arwen, who was my first Mustang, who won the Legends title in Wisconsin at the Midwest Fair. Elon won the Maryland challenge last year. And then I also had Valente won the reserve champion title for Equina Fair in uh, the Ohio challenge. So I've had a bunch of Mustangs. Also um, some other ones as well. Uh, Timmy won reserve champion as well at Maryland. So a few different horses that I've played around with and lots of exposure to Mustangs and a few things that I've noticed, wanted to share a few tips, a little bit about how we can train Mustangs, but not just Mustangs, but horses that maybe are green or inexperienced or maybe a little bit timid of people and share with you guys some of my tips and secrets for helping progress those horses to a place where you can live kind of a normal life with them and they can receive proper handling and care and nutrition because sometimes people say well why not just let them live wild and why not just leave them alone and well the reason why not is because uh, sometimes these horses are living in not very great conditions there's not enough food because the land is shared with other animals or because of droughts and different things like that and they're suffering from disease or other elements and things like that So it's often really nice to be able to train your horse to be able to receive care and be handled by other people. 
which is kind of a, a practical thing to do for horses. So one of my first tips is when you're first training a horse that's uh, scared especially, is you want to think about what are called positive associations. And that means that in the past, perhaps these horses have a fear response or they're programmed to have a fear response because they're prey animals. And we want to turn that into a positive association, and especially with Mustangs where they've got very limited interaction with human beings. And the interaction that they do have is usually not super great because they get run into shoots, they get separated, they get branded, they get uh, vaccinations, they get dewormed. So even though a lot of those things are being done for their benefit, they don't know that. They just know that it's uncomfortable, it hurts, and uh, it doesn't seem like a fun idea to do. So their experiences are not the best. We have to think about having positive associations, which means that when they see a human, we want them to think good thoughts, happy thoughts, instead of thinking, oh no, like what are they going to do? What are they going to make me do? So the easiest way to do that is with food and either trying to hand feed alfalfa hay or tossing grass to them. Sometimes you have to toss the food a little bit at a distance, but you want to start to create those positive associations so the horse sees you and goes, okay, happy thoughts. And so that means being very careful not to chase or scare or anything negative. doesn't mean that you can't have a boundary and that your horse needs to push you all over, but it just means that you want to try to avoid having a fight or a difficult conversation when you're just trying to establish that you're friends and you're friendly and there's no reason for them to be upset or fearful of you. That's really the first thing that you want to think about when you're working with the Mustangs. The second major tip is that you need to have healthy boundaries. And I see this a lot with um, people who have horses that used to be very fearful. It's almost like people are afraid to draw a boundary because they're worried that the horse is then going to not like them or become fearful again. And the opposite is actually true. When we draw a boundary and we have very clear boundaries and healthy boundaries, then the horse tends to feel a little bit more safe and secure in what we're doing because they have that that boundary there and they expect that. And horses communicate based on body language and respecting each other's quadrants and drive lines and having passive leadership. So when you don't have that, it usually causes the horse to become more anxious. So we want to think about having healthy boundaries, using passive leadership, maintaining your quadrants and drive lines are really the big ways to do that. But another kind of simple way to think about it is when you stand still, think about pretending like you're a tree and grow roots and let your feet really sink into the dirt and try not to move your feet. And that means don't move your feet when you go to make a correction, but also don't move your feet if your horse is crowding your space. Try to be able to stand your ground, think like a tree, grow roots, and move your horse within that space or pretend that protect that space. And that's important that you don't, you know, move your feet to push the horse out of your space because then you're turning it into a bit of a passive leadership game and you're not maintaining your drive lines and your quadrants. But also just in general, when you're standing there, think 
I'm a tree. I grow roots. Even if you're going to hand them some alfalfa hay or some grass, you don't want the horse pushing you out of the way, trying to get the food. That's going to set them up for some really poor behaviors, but also going to make them fearful a little bit. So we want to be thinking about that. And then a third one that's a really big one is teaching the horse to give to pressure. And not in a fearful, scary kind of way, but one of the things that I noticed at the competition is a lot of people were using positive reinforcement, which was super awesome to see that people were using rewards for their horses. I love seeing that because it boosts motivation, lowers a lot of stress levels, just makes it an entirely much more enjoyable experience for the horse. So that was amazing to see. But we also want to make sure that we teach the horse to give to pressure and that we're not going to give up because then that teaches the horse to brace against that pressure. So no matter if you use positive reinforcement or not, it's important that the horse learns how to follow that feel. So for example, if you ask your horse to go forwards and you put pressure on that halter and the horse kind of stops and is like, no, I don't want to go forward. It's important that you kind of rest on that lead rope, you rest on that pressure and you just kind of have the attitude of, okay, I'm going to wait for you to figure this out and and give to that pressure. You don't need to add more pressure. You don't need to pull super hard. You don't need to turn it into a big fight. You don't need to escalate things where it becomes emotional. You just have to be patient and wait for your horse to realize that they can respond to that pressure and, and give to that. And that's going to help your horse in a number of different ways. One is going to be that your horse will take you seriously and kind of believe you when you say we're going to go in this direction they'll be like okay well my person is very patient otherwise it can almost become a little bit of a game of they stop and then you do this little song and dance of moving around trying to go beside them all these different things to try to get them to go forward when you could just be patient and wait and that turns your horse into the passive leader because they're getting you to move their feet and that spirals into your horse not following your direction, your horse losing confidence, all of those types of things. So that's a road that we really don't want to go down. But also it helps your horse in tricky situations to give to pressure. So for example, if you've never taught your horse how to give to pressure, if they feel um, pressure on their halter, for example, then if they step on their rope, it becomes a much more scary thing because they feel trapped with their head. And so practicing being able to pull your horse's head down and have them relax and give to that pressure is going to help them in those situations. So it's very practical in that sense. And it's also practical uh, where we saw it with the trailer loading aspect of the competition is some horses hadn't really learned to give to that pressure. So then now when they're in a more anxious environment and they need to trailer load relatively quickly, they're also having to learn about giving to pressure from the halter because using the hand as a target, for example, to follow the person into the trailer isn't a strong enough draw to outweigh what is going on around them. So we want to make sure we teach them to give to that pressure. So those would be my big three, just as a a little recap. Start with positive associations, then make sure you have passive leadership, which means standing your ground, maintaining direction speed, those types of things think of yourself as a tree and then the third one being that your horse needs to learn to give to that pressure not in a mean way not in a super pulling them around way just they need to understand and if they feel that pressure how to move and give to that 
And then that way, when you're at a competition or you're somewhere new or something else is going on, that's a little bit more exciting than you usually have, then your horse already knows those things. And it really helps them kind of be their best selves and, and progress a lot. And that's definitely one of the things that helped me with Dulcie is that in the beginning, I used food to create those positive associations. And then after that, I made sure that when I was leading her, for example, that she stayed in the quadrant that I put her in, that she wasn't swapping sides behind me. I made sure that when I was giving her food as positive reinforcement, that she wasn't running over top of me or becoming a cookie monster getting in my pockets. And then uh, lastly, I made sure that she understood how to give to that halter pressure. So that way when I did cue her with the halter to ask her to go over the bridge or go over the splash box, she went over everything the first try really, really well. And that's a combination of me making an effort to get her out to other places. And she had tried obstacles in Vermont and she tried obstacles in Pennsylvania. So then when we got to Maryland, it wasn't a big stretch for her to be able to do some more things there. And we were able to practice over the obstacles and she did everything the first try. and It went really, really smoothly. So those are my big three for Mustang uh, mishaps that you can overcome. And I really hope you guys enjoy that. And uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Horse Happenings with myself, Lindsay Partridge. Remember, you can always check out more great free resources and other information at HarmonyHorsemanship.com or check me out on my personal website, LindsayPartridge.com. That's Lindsay with an E, Partridge.com or HarmonyHorsemanship.com. Thanks so much for listening and bye for now.